0: meters back, Bernard Foley. It's, it's
1: got the legs, the distance. Over! Over! Hello and welcome to the Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast. We are the People's Podcast, providing a platform for rugby lovers to come together and support the game that's played in heaven. I'm your host Mitch. With me is Ando and Lockie, fellas. It's good to be back for our second podcast of the week. This is our Waratahs preview for 2024. And we have a big task on our hands. In the next half an hour, we have to convince Lockie why the Waratahs are going to win Super Rugby in 2024. Can we do
2: it? Yeah, look, probably not um, because I'm not even convinced myself that we can do it, but I'm convinced we're going to give it a damn good shot. And so if you're looking for confidence, enthusiasm, and positivity, then that's what you're going to get. Maybe not ultimate victory, but hey, few and far between these days.
1: And, and Lucky, what are your thoughts? Uh, are you are you able to put on your, your Waratahs hat for this one and get excited about why Darren Coleman is going to lead his team to victory this year?
0: Yeah, so I had to scrounge around to the back of my cupboard to find the only light blue item of clothing I own. And it's with great disdain that I wear it. But I'm excited. <laughs> I think we should be excited about every Super Rugby team equally if they're Australian, especially if they're not the Highlanders. And I'm here with my Taz hat
1: on today. Fantastic. Well, so this is a call out for all of our fans listening via podcast. This is, we, we release both of these podcasts on YouTube and on uh, whatever podcast platform you're following. For this uh, preview specifically, and for our preview series for 2024, it might help you to go and check out our YouTube page to follow along because we do have some visual elements that will make it a little bit easier for you to see what we're talking about. But we will try as well for our podcast fans to try and speak as much as we can paint as much pictures with our words as we can um (laughs) with what's on screen as well so let's uh let's just dive into it fellas and ando you want to take things over for us yeah
2: let's go so the initial picture that we have right at the start has ben donaldson will harris and mark Noonganitoase. a pretty auspicious photo considering that two-thirds of them are no longer at the club And that Marky Mark has decided to head off to the Roosters, uh, kind of basically trading spots with Joseph Suali'i. And it just speaks to some of the change that is happening within the Waratahs. So looking back on their 2023 season, they won six, lost eight and placed sixth overall within this season. It was a pretty... Honestly, it was a pretty poor performance throughout the season. Um, it's something that the Waratahs have not shied away from. Darren Coleman in the interview that hopefully you've listened to already that was released on Monday is very upfront about the difficulties and the challenges they had in 2023. Now, key games. Personally, when I put this together, I identified two games as the key games for the Waratahs throughout the season and they bookended their regular season. The first one was the round one performance against the Brumbies at Allianz Stadium where they were trying to fill the stadium and kick things off on a good start. And in their final capitulation in round 14 to moana pacifica sending off michael hooper one of the best waratahs in their club's history with a loss to one of the weaker teams within the 2023 tournament Lockie, how do you feel about me choosing those two matches as the key games i
0: I think it's bang on and they were both uh, a failure for the waratahs in the sense of they completely failed the hype that was built up in advance. Mm. Uh, we've talked about round one, so I won't hype on it too much, but obviously massive amounts of chat going in, who is the self-titled Aussie top dog, heading into that, the Brumbies come to an alliance and they get the Chockeys. Round 14, sending off arguably your greatest Waratah, would have to say, given he is the skipper for one of their biggest titles and is a leader in that team, um, and falling to Moana and not even getting the bonus point at the end in front of him. It was a bit of a limp finish. So it wraps up a lot of that 2023 season. Um, Yeah, but there were good performances. Um, I'll let you take them through, but there's enough light there to see if we can shine away from the darker 2023.
2: Yeah, the second half of the season did have some good performances and good moments in it. But interestingly enough, after the round one loss to the Brumbies, it was a really good match against the Drua, 17 to 46 well 46 to 17 I should say and it was actually away as well and so Mitch when we consider what has been written about the Tars that they kind of capitulated in the first part of the season this second round performance may well have been their best of the season What what does that do for that story of the Waratahs being poor at the start?
1: Yeah, I think uh, Darren Commons sort of touched on it in our interviews. And if you haven't listened to that yet, go back and do listen to that earlier in the pod feed. Um, he highlighted that you could argue that that first game, he built up so much hype around coming to into that season and, you know, coming home into a new stadium and, and that we were going to beat the Brumbies and build hype and get all the fans back in luck with the Waratahs and rugby again. That didn't eventuate whether that loss ended up reflecting the first opening four or five weeks of super rugby for the waratahs or not he wasn't too sure whether he could you could argue either way um what whether that loss did ultimately end up affecting them and and becoming this mental thing but the the highlight he did say was that they did go down super round and they did put that convincing victory over Fiji Drua who we did see throughout 2023 built into their season and had a pretty and got some pretty big scouts later on so that's a pretty big performance for them I would argue that their best performance, and Lockie will love this one, of 2023, wasn't necessarily just <laughs> that uh, victory over the Druid in round two, but their victory against the Queensland Reds up in Townsville earlier uh, later in the year, 32-24 in that one. That was a pretty big performance from the Waratahs too. Their season at that point was on life support. They needed to get that win to remain in the top six. Uh, they were able to do that, and I think ultimately the Reds ended up finishing just below them Um, at the end of the season. I'd
0: have to agree with that one, Mitch, if I can jump in. Um, I don't think you can sugarcoat that the Tars had a bad start. They lost six of their first eight. And, you know, regardless of how, you know, DC wanted to put that, it's not a great way to start your season. And they were as low as 11th at one point. They were well down the bottom. So it was that round 10 win for me, just getting ahead of the Highlanders, the late try to Mm. Mahe Vailanu. And then you kicked on, you beat the Reds away, um, you smacked the Rebels around at home, and then you had a good win over the Drua. So that win over the Highlanders sparked a 4-1-4 winning game streak that was massive, but it did paper over a lot of the cracks from earlier in the season.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it really did. And I guess some of the takeaways for us are the importance of Angus Bell in this waratah's team so he was injured basically for the entire season in round one in an opening game and so his loss throughout the season massively depowered our forward pack and came to have a massive impact on our performance throughout the rest of the season and one thing that dc was very upfront about was how he put too much into round one and I guess that speaks yep. to our overall takeaway that the team seemed to struggle to find itself after that initial after that initial defeat and the significance of what that meant. What I might do now is quickly run through the 2024 squad. I apologize; this will result in me I had just one a few quick, names.
1: one last takeaway before we move over um, from the 2023 season, and that was squad rotation. And I think that was a fact that ultimately ended up seeing. The Waratahs not put in a very good performance against the Blues in that quarterfinal uh, or that final round uh, of Super Rugby Pacific. So all season, we predominantly relied on Jake Gordon as the captain to weather the season for the Waratahs. And it was only in that last game against Moana Pacifica where he probably should have been rested, shouldn't have even played that game, considering where the Waratahs had got themselves into the finals and they didn't need him to play big minutes. But he came on and... He only played 15 minutes of that game and got a concussion. And so that saw him not play in the quarterfinal against the Blues. Uh, the the what the problem with that was that since he had played so many big minutes throughout the season, our next two scrum halves in line, uh, Jack uh, Teddy Wilson and Harrison Goddard had between them about 40 minutes of super rugby experience. And when you're going up against a team like the Blues in a playoff do-or-die game, at, in Auckland, away from home, seeing off Michael Hooper as um, a, a stalwart of the club, his last performance for the Waratahs, they weren't able to get anything together in terms of attack. And so they got really, really um, outdone in that in that performance as well. So hopefully moving forward into 2024, that's a, a key element that, he, uh, that Darren Coleman might be a little bit more aware of, of squad rotation, getting some experience into some of the younger guys, uh, particularly when it's not forced, that the 2024 will be with the uh, Wallaby squad rotation that we saw in 2023.
2: So moving into that 2024 squad, Lockie, I'll get you to do the backs. I'll read out the forwards. Uh, so starting off with the props, Angus Bell, Archer Holtz, Daniel Botha, Harry Johnson-Holmes, Hayden Thompson-Stringer, Tom Lambert and Tom Ross. So the big inclusions there are Hayden Thompson-Stringer over from the UK and Tom Ross from down at the Brumbies. Hookers, Dave Parecki, Mahi Vailanu, and Theo Fury. Theo Fury having got two or three caps-ish at the Rebels coming up there from, well, from their last season. Locks, Hugh Sinclair, Jed Holloway, Miles Amatacero, and Fergus Lee Warner. Now, locks miles amatocera is probably the biggest inclusion there coming in from france he's a highly rated young gun we did get to see him in person uh when we were down there for the dc interview he's a big boy uh probably hasn't filled out as much as some of the other locks that you'll see going around but it's no surprise when he, you're as young as he is but he's a tall and in, in tall specimen of a human being and very keen to see him jump up high and pilfer those balls which sounds really weird when I say it like that. But moving on. Back row, <laughs> you have Charlie Gamble, Ned Hannigan, Lockie Swinton, Langie Gleason, Ned Slacksmith has come over from the force despite being a um Sydney boy through and through. And then Mesu Kunavalu, who is essentially one of those Fijian players that can play anywhere from four to eight. So Lockie, why don't we quickly jump into actually why don't we just stay here just for a moment? Um Lockie, give us a comment on any element of the forward pack that you'd like to? Mitch, I'll throw it to you before we move into the backs.
0: Yeah, I'm fascinated with the front row for the Waratahs this year. Uh, Hayden Thompson string is a bit of a wild card for me. 2014 Junior World Cup winner with England, played with Mara Toje. He's played at Saracens and La Rochelle, which are two fantastic European clubs with a strong culture. So really interested to see how he goes. He's another loose head option. Um, from what I understand. But for me, the biggest inclusion is that of Tom Ross having mm. an out-and-out tight head that can hold down a aside and your team is huge. He was stuck behind uh, AAA down at the Brumbies in the pecking order, uh, one Mr. Alan Toa. And now that Tom Ross gets a chance, he can probably cement himself um, in that real contest with Harry Johnson Holmes, who is the premier tight head uh, at the TARS, and that's a huge in for them to have someone else that can shore it up. Um, outside of that, fascinated by the inclusion of Nedsack Smith and Mesu Mm. Kunovalu, two more versatile lock um, back rowers that fit into that very Waratah mould of lock back rowers at
1: the moment. Mitch, what do you got? Yeah, I think sort of shadowing what you said there, Lockie, the locks is another area that we saw in 2023, 2022, 2020, all the way through for the Waratahs has been an area of lack of depth. And we look at the squad again in 2024 and Hugh Sinclair, Jed Holloway, and Lee Warner. I mean, I don't think of those players as lock options really. They're they're hybrid back rows, and they're not out and out locks. Miles Amado Tosero, who's come across from Europe, is the only out and out lock that we have. Tall timber, able to be well, uh, able to do well at the line out. We have seen Jed Holloway and somewhat Ned Hannigan last year sort of shift into that second row and, and be that versatile option. But we don't really have. The, the talent and the calibre of some of the other super rugby teams at lock. So if we do take one or two injuries there, I think we will struggle. One thing I am looking forward to, though, is the props. We saw last year that we, when Angus Bell did go down in, in round one, that not only threw out my, super fa- my fantasy team for the year, but also threw out our hopes at having a stable scrum with a lot of backup throughout the rest of the season for the Waratahs. And so bringing in Tom Ross and um, Hayden Thompson-Stringer just goes... It just goes that little bit further of backing up Archer Holtz and Daniel Botha, who are good up-and-coming Aussie props, but they're just not quite at that super level to be able to come up against the, the Kiwi packs and really hold their own. So if we do have injuries to either Angus Bell or Harry Johnson Holmes, it's it's nice and refreshing to know that we have some a uh, bit more experienced players to come in and and, and start uh, before we do have to go to those, those development somewhat players of Holtz and Botha.
0: And, Mitch, don't forget Tommy Lambert as well. He's an Aussie A prop now. He's been highly regarded for a while. And another really good option, um, putting pressure on belly, putting pressure on um, the other Lucys around there. It's good depth at loose head. What I am concerned about is if HDAH or Tom Ross goes down at tight head, then we're looking a bit sparse.
1: Yeah. And
2: my favourite part of what you just said is then we're looking a bit sparse. Well done, Lockie. And on that note, can you take us through into the backs? Thank you. With great pleasure. Shades of 2014 in this, gentlemen. Scrum
0: halves. We have Jack Grant, Jake Gordon and Teddy Wilson. Fly halves. Jack Bowen, Tane Edmed. And Will Harrison, the centres strong pairings there. We've got the Wallaby pairing of Lalakai Faketi and Isaiah Parezi. Joey Walton. There's also Moses Tupaloto, and the outside backs some big names in there: Dylan Peach, Harry Wilson, Mark Nawaunaitawase, Max Jorgensen, and Vuwate karawalevu Coming across from Fiji, Butty in the league. We'll start with you, Ando. What are a couple of areas of strength to begin with in this waratah squad of backs
2: oh you, look you just can't go past the center combination of izzy parisi and lalakai Faketi. the two of them have been at a position those positions for years they know each other their game suits each other and particularly like i love izzy parisi and what he offers but i just feel like lal has developed really well in the last kind of 18 months, and I'm keen to see him kick on. It'll be interesting to see where Joey Walton with his return from injury and Tuukulotu fits in as well. So there's a lot to like within those centre combos. Uh, Mitch, what's a quick area of um, insight or interest, I should say, for you before we move on?
1: I'm somewhat concerned at fullback for the Waratahs this season. So we've got Max Jorgensen, who's still out with, for the first few rounds at least, from what DC said uh, had surgery on his ankle and then also on his shoulder in the off season, so he's still a fair bit away. So is Will Harrison as well. So there's two options that we you would think would be shaping as probably two of the first choices at that 15 jersey for the Waratahs. Outside of that, you know we might be starting the season with Mark Nonganidowasi at fullback, uh, or uh, Kar- Karawala-Valu is another option as well. So we don't have an out and out established fullback coming into round one which is a little bit of a concern mm. for me and then the depth does drop off when we start looking down that list
2: yeah well said well why don't we move through and we have a full list of both the signings and the departures i'll only read out the departures so we've got michael hooper obviously finishing up ben donison has gone across to the force tolu latu namani nadolo harrison goddard to lenny he's a massive loss within the forward department. He was probably the brightest light in our forward pack last year. Zach von Appen, Zane Muralt, and Max. It says Max Jorgensen in the departures. That's not true. So that needs to be <laughs> struck from the ledger. But it is interesting just to particularly see um, some of the experience that has gone and the best player in my mind within the forward pack 22, no longer there. What we'll do now is we're going to jump across to the most valuable players. And Mitch, I'm going to get you to just quickly read through our first two and give us a one sentence explanation of why you think they're so important. And then I'll do the last two.
1: Yep. So our first two options, we've got Angus Bell and Jake Gordon. And we saw last year with both of these players, when Angus Bell particularly wasn't available, the Waratahs scrum just did not function as effectively. He's a, ten- he's a player for anyone in World Rugby. He can come up against and he can turn... A scrum and can win you that crucial penalty that's going to potentially get you um three points to win a game so he's such an integral part of this waratah's front row but also this waratah's forward pack that when he's not there we really do miss him so we need him to play big minutes in 2024 for us to go deep into the season jake gordon again is a similar player we've got some young scrum halves behind him we've got jack grant coming back into the program after a few years away he has experience at Super Rugby, but he's not quite a uh, a player that's able to play big minutes should Jake Gordon not be there. So uh, he is our, Jake Gordon is our captain for 2024 again, and he's a, a crucial player in terms of leading this team around. Without Jake Gordon, we do lose a little bit of leadership there, and that's what we saw in that final uh, against the Blues last year when Jake Gordon wasn't there with Michael Hooper in and out of that game. They lost a little bit of direction. They lost a little bit of leadership. So without him they will struggle in 2024 as well.
2: The other two players that we have are Jed Holloway and uh, Tane Edmund. Now, I put Jed Holloway in there because I believe that he's the most important within the second row. With Hugh Sinclair, Miles Amatacero, and Fergus Lee Warner, Hugh Sinclair is a short lock. He's essentially a back rower who's playing there because they don't have any other locks. And he puts his heart and soul into every single game. And I love what he does for the Tars, but he's not going to be a game-breaker the vast majority of the time. Miles Amsacero is young and somewhat well, he's obviously inexperienced within the Waratahs setup, And Fergus Lee Warner is, was an absolute gun for the force, but hasn't been in Australian rugby for a few year, a couple of years now. And technically isn't really a lock either. He's more of a six. And so yet again, he's playing out of position. So Jed, in my mind, is the most experienced player within that second row who needs to step up. And then Tane Edmed, with Ben Donaldson gone, Will Harrison injured, he's our only sem- well, pretty experienced 10. So he's incredibly important to the waratahs in 2024 now Lockie, you had some um you had some opposing opinions and strangely enough we don't mind a bit of dissent within this rugby pod so who did you think should have made the mvp list oh
0: i think most valuable straight away and i'm very biased from a ford's take, but i think it's your tight head every time and the fact that harry johnson holmes has had a history run of injuries and tom ross is new to the setup locking down that scrum is just critical for the tars especially without tall timber in the second row so i would say those two are my cotton wool players for the year and they must be protected at all costs if i'm down at the tars s and that's exactly what i'm looking after so really excited to see how they both go um uh, in sky blue this year but yeah straight away i want my tight heads at their best and those are the two that need to perform
2: well said, very well said. Moving on now into our season predictions. Now, this one is always a hard hard thing for us to be doing. We generally just put two points forward for strengths, two points for weaknesses, and then a broad finals, uh, final placing on the ladder, which is always fun to do before a ball has even been kicked in anger. So, strengths. We believe that the Waratahs have one of the kind of best rosters in terms of loose forwards they have a lot of really really quality players i'm particularly looking forward to charlie gamble stepping up and getting an opposition to have a full season run at number seven without having to swap to six or eight because of michael hooper's presence so That's an area of strength. Also, compared to 2022, we've already spoken about this, the improved experience within our front row stocks. I don't think, as Lockie pointed out, we have everything solved from a squad depth perspective there, but it's better than it was last year. And we're in a better situation if someone such as Angus Bell were to go down weaknesses second row slash locks again we only have one actual lock within the team the other three are hybrids they're back rowers who are filling in as blocks and that's just a little bit concerning as always and then secondly playmakers like we mentioned will harrison is still injured and returning from injury and ben donaldson is gone you do have the um kind of up and coming jack bowen who has shown some decent performances when he's made the field last year but that being said, he's not an experienced super rugby level fly half. So if Edmed goes down or is in a really bad runner form, don't have much that we can be replacing him with early. Now, Mitch, I put in there, they should be aiming for a top six placing at the end of the season. Do you think that is a realistic yet challenging target for them?
1: Oh, definitely. I think that's uh, what the Waratahs need to be uh, what, what their focus for 2024 needs to be, and it's a bit two-pronged at the moment, they need to make sure that they're playing good rugby and that they're winning games, but they also need to be doing so in a way that's going to bring the fans back from from where we've seen. They're the first club that's officially gone across into RA um, under the new sort of centralization model because they were just not financially able to withstand or operate by themselves. So getting fans back is going to be a big uh, focus for them this season. If they can get, they need to win as many of more than, well, they probably, they need to win all their home games, essentially. Mm. They do have some, particularly early in the season, they do have some big opposition coming to play at home. Um, but they also play some of those, like the Crusaders, they play down in uh, Super Round in, in Melbourne. So that's almost a, a, a win for them in a way. Uh, but if they can get more wins at home than losses, then that's what they should be focusing on. And that should ensure they're getting to the top six. Yep.
2: It's a pretty challenging home run. If I just quickly run through uh, the home matches that they have, we're up against the Highlanders. will be a first home game on Friday, 8th of March. Then you have the Blues straight afterwards. Uh, Two weeks later, we're going to be playing the Rebels on the 29th of March. Then 12th of April, we face the Crusaders at home. Then you have the Chiefs at home. Then the Brumbies at home. And then the Reds at home. They are no, there are no easy teams there that we're playing at home. The weakest at this point before a ball has been kicked in anger, you'd probably argue is the Highlanders or the Rebels. And so we've got some pretty strong teams coming up against us uh, with our home matches, but if we look into some of the positive elements, I personally have to say the 2024 jerseys are looking pretty darn good, in my opinion. So, one of the things we're going to be doing with each of our preseason uh, previews or 2024 previews is looking at the home and away jerseys for each team and basically giving it a tick or a cross. And for me, particularly the away jersey with the Indigenous design um, embedded into it is a massive tick. Absolutely love it. Lockie, give me some thoughts on this. Give me some thoughts on where you think these jerseys fit within your hot or not scale of rating. Oh, they're both
0: hot. There's no denying they're both hot. I'm a sucker for a collar. Uh, I would have loved to see a blue traditional style collar on the Indigenous white jersey, but that's just me being picky because they are both good-looking Kits. I've got to quickly flick back to your season draw, though. I think you're crying a bit hard when you've only got one away game against a New Zealand team for the entire regular <laughs> season.
1: <laughs> but that's by
0: go- bygones, big bygones. I've got to have my Reds point. Enjoy your trip to Wellington. Um, but yeah, look, those are two sharp kits. We're, we're excited to go through. I know that um, a couple of other clubs haven't released, but the fact that the TARS dropped early, they've dropped a 150 year heritage kit, which is schmick. I think they're going to drive a lot of good sales. And I've seen the merch game from the Tars this year has Mm -hmm. been pretty strong. There's some good caps. There's some good kits going around. Impressed.
2: Mitch, uh, we've been toying with some corduroy caps here at Pick and Drive, um, seeing what we can get going. But it's something that the Tars have done quite well. Something the Tars have done quite well so far is upping their merch game. What are your thoughts on these jerseys and the overall merch approach from the Tars this season?
1: Yeah, fantastic. So buying into the 150 years heritage, 2024 is a big year for the New South Wales Waratahs. Not only is it 150 years that the organisation has been around, it's also 10 years since we won Super Rugby. So Mm -hmm. uh, two big milestones within this one year. We've got this heritage jersey that has the collar. As Lockie said, any jersey with a collar looks fantastic. Uh, The away kit incorporating the Indigenous design into it. I think it's the first... If, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the first uh, regular season Jersey home or away for a team to incorporate an Indigenous design into it. Uh, I know New Zealand doesn't has, like the Chiefs have incorporated into their home design for a while. But from an Australian perspective, it's the first one outside of an Indigenous round Jersey that features an Indigenous uh, design. The other point that it, this design has been uh, created by Waratah's player Dylan Peach is also fantastic. So Seeing that incorporated into the away kit, I just hope that they actually play in it more than we regularly see. I think last year we only saw the Waratahs in their away kit once against the Blues in that uh, quarter final. So if we can see them wear this, even indigenous rounds, heritage rounds, whatever it is, if we can see this more often, that's that's a win in my books because it's just, it's a great looking jersey.
2: It's beautiful. Completely agree. Now, Lockie, one of the key things that the TARS are releasing is a 2024 bucket hat, so pretty sure you're going to get in amongst that. If you were to summarise your thoughts and feelings about the TARS for 2024, Lockie, in kind of a short elevator pitch, what would your summary be? I think DC
0: summarised it well at the end of last year for the Collar final. He said, the 2023 season, I quote, was shit. Um, they went from an 8-6 and six record to a 6-8 and eight record and now he's staring at the end of his contract for 2024. So it's a huge year for the coach, for the players. Uh, Tars have always had potential. They need to perform. Anything less than a top six finish is, for my mind, a failure for 2024 in the Tars. But for the sake of Australian rugby, I hope and I believe that they'll make that
2: top six. Yeah, well said, Lockie. Thank you for that. Mitch, what's your elevator pitch summary of the Waratahs in 2024? Yeah, this is
1: the last year uh, unless things get extended for Darren Coleman as head coach of the Waratahs. So a lot of pressure for him personally. Um, In our interview, he did say that he wasn't looking past the end of the season and that he's not looking to the future at this point. He's just going to see how he goes and and if the results speak for themselves to see if he can get that contract extension. But there's a lot of expectation on this team now. There's been good players signings coming in, Um, not a whole lot of talent going out other than Michael Hooper. So the squad's fairly similar to what we saw last year. Other than the loss of maybe Ben Donaldson, so there is expectation that they are the probably the most settled squad um, of the super, uh, Australian Super Rugby sides. So they need to perform. This is their year to perform. Uh, if they don't, if we do have uh, an overall losing record as like we did last year, uh, the way that the, Waratah, the the Australian rugby public is just supporting at the moment, we can't. The, the sport can't afford it. So we really need a strong performance from the Waratahs. Uh, in 2024 and I really hope that they can do can do that and deliver something that we're all we are proud of.
2: Mate we say this all the body time but it's the hope that kills you and that is my uh, tagline for 2024 the Waratahs. I have so much hope and belief that they can do well um, I'm going to be rooting for a win every single match and knowing that they can pull it out but it's just the question of whether or not they can get that consistency combined with the quality of their performances we did not see that last season that they could perform to their best consistently across multiple games or even across an entire game for the 80 minutes and so Here we are living in hope. We hope that the players can come together. We hope that DC can cast a vision alongside his assistant coaches, Wits and Gilly, that the team can come on board with. And we hope that the players can live up to the potential that we know that they have. So with all that on board... Gents, it's been an absolute pleasure. Up the Tars, keen to see how they go in 2024. And ladies and gents, next week will be the Melbourne Rebels with an interview with Nick Stiles, the general manager of rugby down there. So Monday will be the Stylesy interviews, and Wednesday will be the pre-season preview from us. So, gentlemen, thanks for coming. And I can't wait Everybody for,
1: for round one of Super Rugby Pacific. This year is going to be Waratahs versus Reds. So it's going to be an Interpod rivalry. Between us and Lockie, so go the Waratahs, get the victory away from home, and uh, get the first dub against the Reds in their uh, season for 2024. Looking forward to it. All
2: right, go well. Yeah, righto. See right you on Caxson's Street. See you on Caxon Street. <laughs> you on Caxon Street. <laughs> Bye. Catch you guys. Bye.